98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. Straight up, 2 o'clock on this Thursday in Phoenix. Tim Ring filling in for Burnsy. I'm Gambo. We take you up till 6 o'clock on a busy Thursday, September 1st. We got a football game. We got we got a football game. Before we get to the football game, we'll get into some other stuff because I want to go over uh, some of the information with Antonio Hamilton. But we'll yeah. take you up till 6 o'clock. We've got a, a great show for you. Van Rapphorst, Jeff Van Rapphorst will join us, talk some ASU as they get set, set for NAU. We'll talk Suns. We'll talk Donovan Mitchell. We'll talk D-backs. We'll talk Cardinals. Lots of stuff on this. I can't believe August is over. We are in September. We are in September. It always flies by. I always like to know September jumps up on you. Is the uh, the twenty first day of September? Is that a uh, that is a day we're on the air? Hey, mark that down. That's a Wednesday. If you if you remember, Mitch, the twenty first day of September. Let's get that on the calendar. So we don't miss that Eric, song. Eric, Eric's back there going, I have no, no idea I, what you're I lo- talking one, about. I love that song. Great song. And my fiance's birthday is on the 21st. There so, you go. Of September? Yeah, of September. About that? So we play that song. Yeah, baby. I love it. I have I love seen it. Earth, Wind, and Fire Alive. I'm proud wow. to say. Wow. Now, I'm actually jealous of you, Ringer. Yep. Yeah. I've seen them both. Yep. He's he's seen them all. Elvis Presley, Frank Sinatra live. <laughs> I, I have seen Sinatra. I mean, I, I have not seen Elvis Presley live. I <laughs> I am I am not that old. I was not at the Las Vegas Hilton. Uh-huh. All right, in uh, 1973. Let's just let's just we'll play the sound. I want to get into Antonio Hamilton to tell you what what I know. So let's tell you what our top story of the day is. But we're gonna Burns and Gambo the way in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. So anybody that. Knows the show, knows that sometimes um, I'll throw a bunch of hints out there. Right? And you did so again all this week. All this week. Close to a half dozen times. How many, what kind of hints was I giving out? Who was picking up on it? Who else Who picked up the on the hints? was picking up on the hints? You guys were cackling whenever you ever dropped hints. No, but we were kind of hinting as to what happened to Antonio Hamilton. So people may, uh, what were some of the things we were using? But I couldn't follow up on it because uh, I'm just, you know, I, could, I just had a cackle. If yeah, you know. yeah. Well, you, you, <laughs> you guys had some hot takes. We were just saying, man, they'll be cooking up something in that kitchen. We would just say stuff like that. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, that Cardinals spill. offense is going to have something cooking up today. Or, yeah, those guys, uh, that's like a bunch of people in the kitchen. So we kind of hinted throughout the week. I wonder if anybody picked up on that. I do. I wonder if anybody listens like, that's what he meant with all those kitchen and cooking remarks over the last week. My understanding is Antonio Hamilton has just been put on, what's the word for it? Short-term IR? Oh, the non-football. Non-football injury list. What I was told, I'm going to get to my my notes here. I'm going to tell you what I was told. And this was... um, this was Thursday. Thursday, last Thursday, I was so a week ago today that Antonio, I was told Antonio Hamilton burned himself a couple of days ago. He was cooking in the kitchen and he spilled hot oil on himself. Wasn't too bad, but it was reported on both feet and an arm, and the burns were severe enough to warn him having to go to the hospital. Um, his return was dependent on the blistering and compartment syndrome, which has to deal with blood flow in the feet. 
That's what I know. Now, again, I didn't want medical stuff and everything. I don't like, sometimes I don't like, you know, giving people's medical information out. But I gave you as much information um, as I could, uh, just like hints about like the, the kitchen and something like that. But so now, that, is what I, that is what I'm being told. Now that they're on, now that they're putting him on that, Non-football injury list, though, Gamble. He's got to be out four games. Four games. And this is a position of need. And this did not just happen a couple of days ago. So the report that you got or the information you got. Yes. Hopefully it wasn't. It doesn't appear to be that bad. But to me, it's telling me that the fact that he's out four games on a position of need, that these these burns, this cooking accident. Yeah, it's it's kind of bad. It's going to shelve him for. Conceivably, here five to six weeks, he's going to be out because this happened. What at least maybe seven to ten, if not more, days ago. Right, right. and they're and they're saying, look, if if they thought he could miss one game and come back, they're not putting him on this list. I mean, they're shutting him down for four games because they feel. That's how long he's going to be out, and they have right. to adjust the roster. So whatever Antonio Hamilton did in this cooking accident from a burn standpoint, to me, yeah. it ended up being pretty bad. Yeah, and that's the information I had last Thursday. But again, um, you know, he it was bad enough where he had to go to the hospital. Um, but, you know, his return was, you know, this blistering. When you burn yourself, there's blistering. And there's a thing called, I'm not a doctor, but somebody listening may understand, Compartment syndrome, which has to deal with the blood flow in the feet. So that was what was going on. But it was uh, so last Thursday is when I was was told about this. Um, but I was also told that it was actually a couple of days ago. So I'm assuming it was probably Monday or Tuesday of last week that this happened. That's what I mean. It was. I mean, it's at least a week, if not maybe yeah. nine to ten days ago. Yes. And now. The Chiefs game is still over a week away. I think they wanted and they're to gonna put him on the shelf for yeah. three more weeks after that. Well, I think at that time with Burns, like you got to see how we, you know, again at that time you're like, okay, man, like I think there was a thought process then, like okay, if everything goes okay, maybe you'll be able to play, and we could just, you know, you know, not even mention that this happened. But now that you've got to put him out there, now the Cardinals are just reporting it's a kitchen incident, right? Is that all? I didn't see the Cardinals report. Did you have it, Mitch? Well, it's, a, it's a it's a cooking. Is that accident. what they, what did they say? So the report is specifically it says a cooking incident according cooking to Ian incident. Rappaport. Okay, the Cardinals did make it official that he has been placed on the NFI. Right. So that is official. Which is four they, weeks. They yep. are of course not specifying what the reason is for the no injury. we, we, we no. can assume he was cooking in the kitchen well that's what yeah that's what that's what we, we that's what I was told last week cooking in the kitchen spilled hot oil on himself uh, wasn't too bad but again both feet and an arm the burns were severe enough that he had to go to the hospital to and I probably the burn unit because he burned himself now uh, from that point forward uh, you know I don't know but that's what that's what I am being told it was um, and again throughout the week we just tried to throw some hints out there and uh, maybe some people picked up on it in our kitchen and cook because you know I just again sometimes a medical a guy's own medical stuff I feel comfortable saying it now because now the Cardinals said it was a kitchen incident I can tell you what type of kitchen incident it was but a lot of times with guys medical stuff I'm always a little leery on just you know letting that out there I mean of all the of all the freaking positions for the Cardinals to have an off the field kitchen incident the cornerback room. I mean, are you kidding me? Hamilton finally ascends to a starting position. 
a position of need, a position of question. And the Cardinals now shorthanded. Listen, they were going to have to go out and acquire a corner via a trade anyway. Yes. Go sign a guy via the waiver wire anyway. They did that with Gidry. They did that with Mullen. Great. And now Hamilton's on the shelf for four more weeks. We assume, and we don't like to do that, but if they don't like anybody else better on that waiver wire, we assume Christian Matthew, who was just waived, would eventually be be brought back to take Hamilton's spot on the roster. Unless Gamble, well, now you know you're top, you're going to play you're going to play three corners against the Chiefs the entire game anyway, and then you've got to worry about Travis Kelsey. Now you could have you know Isaiah cover Travis Kelsey, you could have Jalen cover Travis Kelsey, but you'll probably when you'll probably be an eleven personnel the whole time. You'll probably have three cornerbacks out there a whole lot. So I would imagine Trayvon Mullen and uh, and Byron Murphy and then Marco Wilson or you know and Gidry like those will be the four guys that you play a whole lot in that football game. So you've got to get these two guys up to speed real quick yeah. because you're going to be without Antonio Hamilton, who was arguably arguably your second-best cornerback, right? Yeah. I mean, arguably, he had be, you could say he moved ahead of Marco Wilson, that he was the second-best cornerback on this roster, and now you're going to be without him for the, for the next four weeks. And it's official. They did re-sign Christian Matthew. And again, the, okay, so they, they, they have the, the bodies now again, but you're trying to win a football game against arguably one of the top two quarterbacks in the entire National Football League and a team that's competed for Super Bowls the last three years, and you're doing it on the fly with the rebuilt cornerback room with two guys you literally just picked up who two other teams didn't really feel a need to keep uh, you know, less than two weeks before the season began. Yeah. So it's just, it's just not ideal. No, it's not no, ideal, and it, no. it scares the bejesus out of and me you hate that it's like the season. You hate the non-football injuries, right? Like just, oh man, could it have been avoided? And that that's Those are the things you, you hate the most. You hate those non-football injuries. Bix Picks! It's back for the 2022 NFL season. Text PICK to 620-620 to sign up and compete against Dan Bickley for your chance at the grand prize 75-inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beer and cheeseburgers. Just pick, uh, just text PICK to 620-620 to enter. ASU, the debut tonight. New football team, same coach, same ASU, but a lot of new guys. Take it on NAU. We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, we'll follow up. I'm trying to get uh, more information on Antonio Hamilton. We'll give you the latest. As I'm reporting, he did burn himself in the kitchen, spilled hot oil on himself, burns on his feet and arms, had to go to the hospital and deal with a burn uh, burn specialist over there. So um, that is the information that I have on Antonio Hamilton. We'll give you whatever, everything else we have uh, later on as we, as we get this stuff. Let's talk today. ASU, the Devils take on NAU at Sunday. Devil Stadium, the first game in the season. And, you know, like, I am looking forward to it. Like, I'm looking forward to going home tonight and, you know, watching the game. I'll go to a couple ASU games this year. They're taking on, they haven't played NAU since 2016. Now, it's a much different team than anything you remember because of how many new guys. Now, you know, they've got 43 new players on the roster. New offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. They've got a bunch of new coaches. But 43 new players, 18 of them via the transfer portal. 
So look, they'll run the ball a lot tonight against NAU. NAU plays a funky defense with five or six corners, uh, D- DBs. So I think ASU is going to try to just run the ball, wear them out in the heat, so that, and not want to show too much because Oklahoma State's coming up. So you don't want to show too much with Emory Jones. But I was thinking about this as I was doing my uh, prep for the show. What, what, what do I want to see out of ASU this year? And I'm going to give you something that I want to see. Okay. I, I, want to, I want to see them be competitive, not get humiliated, no real bad losses. Last year, ASU lost by 10 to BYU. They lost by 14 to Utah, 7 to Washington State, 14 to Oregon State, 7 to Wisconsin. Nothing too bad. Every game was in, you know, was 7 t- points, 10 points, 14 points. They weren't blown out at all. I want to see this. Like, I'm not expecting a lot, but I want to see them be competitive and be in these football games. I think that would be a good sign. They're not a young team either. They're actually a veteran team. There are only two freshmen are on the team. They're both third stringers that will play. So they've got two freshmen that may play both third stringers. So they're not, it's not a youth movement for ASU. It's not a, not like, oh, it's a bunch of young guys. No, it's not a bunch of young guys. But I would hope that they can be competitive and not get humiliated in some of these games and show people that they could play. Listen, I think at best, and I, I just mean this from the bottom of my heart, just looking at the landscape of this program right now and an embattled head coach who's probably dead man walking, the best this team can do is probably seven and five. I think they would be happy. I think ASU fans would probably even be happy with six and six. I mean, Gambo, you know, yes, they lost forty or they have forty three new guys, but they lost eighteen guys. Many of them critical players. I mean, you lose your quarterback, your top two wide receivers, you lose arguably your best linebacker and Eric Gentry. I mean, they're picked to finish tenth in the Pac twelve for a reason. Having said all that, Emory Jones, you know, could be a pivotal player in this entire thing. Jaden Daniels had so much promise coming in. So much promise after his freshman season, but the reality is he regressed. Uh, Arizona State had one of the worst passing offenses in the Pac-12 last year. Yeah, they, Jaden Daniels yeah, they was were, not good. Yeah, they were second to last in the conference in passing yards and passing TDs. And I talked to some Florida people about Emory Jones. You know, when you when you when you when you assess a quarterback and you try to figure out how good this kid is and what he's all about, yeah, you can look at the stats and you can read the scouting reports. But a lot like you, I like to talk to people down there in Gainesville. And here's what they told me. They said, listen, this kid's got all the talent in the world. The reason why it didn't work out here is he just could never quite put it together. He always fell short a little bit here, a little bit there. But when he and first of all, a great great kid, great locker room guy, great leader. Everybody was pulling for him to be successful down there uh, at the University of Florida. And they reminded me, and I actually forgot about this game, Florida trailed Alabama big last year in a game early in the season. And Emory Jones almost engineered a historic comeback to lead the Gators to a win over Nick Saban and Alabama. And I think to myself, if Emory Jones is good enough to almost beat Alabama, he's probably going to be good enough to engineer some victories in the Pac-12 if he has some help around him. That's going to be the biggest question mark to me. But I guess where I think Arizona State may have improved, it's at the quarterback position. And in college football, if you have a quarterback, uh, you can win some football games. And to me, that's what's exciting about tonight is watching this guy play that position. Yeah, listen, I was not I mean, I I thought the sky was the limit with Jaden Daniels got here. When he left, I was like, man, this is a good thing because he's not very good. So, 
bring it now. Emory Jones, we all know the issues with him. He turns the ball over a lot. Okay, that's, that's a very inconsistent. Turns the ball over a lot. So we'll look for that. See if he cleaned that up. I'll be looking at a couple of players. You know, when you start to look at you know guys that that'll be back next year. The sophomore Daniel Nagata. He's on. A, he's a redshirt sophomore, and also the running back Elijah Badger. He's also a redshirt sophomore. The wide receiver. Those two guys. I'm going to look at to see if they can really help that offense a little bit. Emory's got another year of eligibility, so it's possible he's here for two years. He's got, because of the whole COVID thing, everybody, you get a year. Everybody gets a free year. So Emory will have another year of eligibility. He could be back next year. It's possible because of that COVID year, so it is possible that he comes back. So he's got the, he's the quarterback at the helm. Here we go tonight against NAU. Um, I think that they win this game handily against NAU. I haven't played them since 2016, but I think that they'll they'll wear them out because they're going to be bigger, they're going to be faster, they're going to have more talent than NAU, and they should win the game. And then you'll get Oklahoma State, and then you'll really get a test right there. Xavier Hall, uh, Valaday, the the Wyoming transfer. Yeah, actually, the leading returning uh, rusher in all of college football career wise. One other thing to watch, and Sun Devil fans, you're, you you know what I'm I'm talking about. It's been unfortunately a staple of her. Edwards football, especially during his last few years, they play sloppy football. They're they're heavily penalized. They're disorganized. They're undisciplined. As Herm says, too many fouls, too many fouls, too many penalties. They they just they just don't play sound, fundamental, crisp, clean football, and it kills them. And it killed them when they had a talent advantage over their opponent. Now this season. When they don't have that talent advantage, if they don't play crisp, clean football and they're heavily penalized, it could be more like a three or four win season. So it begins tonight. Play sharp, play fast, play together, play hard. And maybe a new coaching staff is exactly what this program needed to maybe play smarter, better, cleaner, crisper football. It begins tonight. I'm anxious to see it. Yeah, listen, I'm sure Herm wants to put all of this, the investigation, everything behind him and just go out there and coach these kids and see what they can do football-wise. And Again, there's a lot of talent here, um, but it's going to be tough. I mean, you're incorporating a lot of new players into this system. 43 new players, but only two freshmen that are even going to get a look, and they're both third-string guys. 18 of their players are going to be guys that transferred in. 18 players that'll be too deep. So either you start or you're a backup. 11 of those guys are FBS guys. So there's talent. Now we'll see if ASU can put it together. And if they can, you know, get off to a good start tonight, maybe that carries over a little bit. Tough game next week, but I don't expect them to show a whole lot because Oklahoma State coming up, I don't think you'll see a lot of the passing attack. I think that they'll run the ball quite a bit. Oklahoma State finished in the top five last year, won the Fiesta Bowl right here against Notre Dame last year. That's going to be an extremely tough game to win. So win a game tonight and then let the chips fall where they may next week. Big trade in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell is out of the West, he's in the East, and could there be a couple of uh, other Jazz players that could be on the move? Would the Suns have any interest in a couple of those players? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale, America's most awarded Ford dealership. Labor Day sales event going on right now. 0% financing on a lot of their vehicles. Head on over 51st Avenue in Glendale or online at SandersonFord.com. Eric, take it away. Forks up, Gambo. ASU Forks kicks up, let's off go. 
their season tonight. I'm rooting for them. You're rooting for them? Of course I'm rooting for them. Sure, I don't want them to to win. A lot of people are worried about ASU this season, Gambo. I don't need to tell you that. But like, do I want them to do bad? Of course not. I want them to do well. Not not only I don't think people are worried tonight, but they're probably worried this season. They should be worried this season. Well, let's focus on. The season could stink. Focus on tonight. (laughs) Because tonight, yeah, they play NAU, but NAU has played them somewhat close before at home. So what will the result be for week one? You got four options. Option number one is ASU wins by 7 points or less. Option number 2, ASU wins by 8 to 14 points. And then option number 3, ASU wins by 15 plus. And if none of those satisfy what you need, then NAU wins is the fourth option. Okay, okay, I like that. I'm going to say they win by 14 plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with they, they win... 15 plus. 15 plus. Sorry, 15 plus. So over two touchdowns. I'm going to go with that. You I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, as am I. Yeah, these, these games, listen, when, it, when it's a mismatch like this on, on paper, the, the, the size of the lines is the difference. And again, if Emory Jones can almost take down Nick Saban in Alabama, he can take down NAU by more than a couple of touchdowns. I'll tell you this. NAU winning is Very not better. in last place. It's not in last. But in first at 41.8% as ASU wins by 15-plus points along with you guys. In second, understandably, 30.5% say ASU wins by 8 to 14. In third place with 15.6% is the Lumberjacks walk away from Tempe with a victory. 12.1% say ASU wins by a score or less. All right, there you go. That is our Twitter poll question on the Burns and Gamble page. We'll check back with Eric in a couple of hours and uh, get an update on that. Let's get to the big trade in the NBA. I've had a lot of fun with this one, too, by the way. So um, Donovan Mitchell traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm having fun with it because the humble person I am, I was the first person to mention that Cleveland was having interest, was had, had interest in Donovan. Mitchell. On August 23rd, I reported that the Miami Heat, Hawks, and Kings were not interested, contrary to those reports that they were. And I said that other than the Knicks, Cleveland, Washington, Charlotte, LA, and Brooklyn had interest. And at that time, nobody had uh, you know put Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell, but I did put Cleveland with Donovan Mitchell. Today, he was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, the, the, the Jazz will get unprotected first round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029, and pick swaps in 26 and 28. Plus, the Jazz also get Colin Sexton, former U of A standout Laurie Markinen, and 2022 first round pick Oche Agbaji. To, they, that's what the Jazz get. Uh, Sexton is coming to the Jazz on a new deal, four years, 72 million. It ends up being a sign and trade, fully guaranteed. He's a combo guard, only 23 years old. So the Jazz strike again. They are absolutely loaded when it comes to draft picks going forward. Absolutely. Absolutely loaded. They've got like, I think I saw this earlier today. Like it was like is it thirteen picks or sixteen picks going forward in the next few years. I'm going to find out exact. They've got thirteen unprotected or lightly protected picks through 2029. Well, that's great, but they're now they're no longer a factor in the West. No, whereas the Cavs are now a big time factor in the East. I mean, do the do the Cavs have the big three? 
fellas? I mean, you, you, boy, you, they were they were so good last year. You, you have Man. you have three all stars now in Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and Darius Garland. I know when you think of big three, you think of superstars, but those three guys with the emerging emerging Evan, Evan Mobley, uh, can that team? Can that team? Ruffle some feathers with the Celtics and the Bucks and the Nets if those guys were to get it together. They've got four potential All Stars, Ringer. They might have a big four. They have two really big players. I mean, that's an incredible offensive backcourt and then defensive frontcourt. That's going to make some noise. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, listen, you get you get Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. I mean, Mitchell averaged over 25 points a game. I know some people don't like his defense, like Gambo over there. No, he's not a good defensive player, and that's why I don't think they got as much for him as, you know, Rudy Gobert is a dominant defensive player. Donovan Mitchell doesn't play much defense, and I think there were some teams that were very reluctant to to trade for him. That's why, you know, Miami was not interested. Atlanta was not interested. But there were enough teams that were because he's still a dynamic player. If he's your third best player, you're in great shape. I, I listen. I if he's the, your third best player, you're in really good shape. Believe me, they're way happier in Cleveland right now than they are in Utah. And in Utah, it's funny. Do you remember the famous Brian Windhorst appearance when it, when the Jazz traded away somebody for 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 nothing? And Windhorst, now why would they do that? Very strange. Very strange. Because this is what he was talking about. Why would the Jazz do that? <laughs> because the Jazz were getting ready to dismantle the team. And start over again. This is a Danny Ainge special. This is what he does. He he does sure. it. He does it quite well. But but think about and, what and, you and there and, and, right. here, and there, there we go in Utah. It's a rebuild. Okay, it's a rebuild. It's a rebuild. Absolutely. But now you've got now. Listen, they weren't able to win with what they had. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert could could win a lot of regular season games, but they couldn't take him deep in the playoffs. It just wasn't good enough. So now they blow that thing up. They yep. buy, you know and they but now you've got all these picks. Great assets. Picks are great assets. You can use them and get players or you can trade them to get players, but you are in the driver's seat now with 13 uh, you know, unprotected or lightly protected picks through 2029. So you're in really good shape of the Utah Jazz to start over. Now, there's a couple of players that a lot of people are asking me about right now. I'm trying to find out. Would the Suns be interested? And you know I've said this name quite a bit. I love Bogdanovich. Love him. I think he'd be great for the Suns. An elite scorer at all three levels. I think he'd be a perfect fit. I believe from what I've been told that the Jazz would trade him. I don't know if the Suns have interest yet. I'm going to try and find out. Jordan Clarkson's another name that has come up. Would the Jazz be willing to trade either of those players? I believe, again, from what I know, they are open to trading Bogdanovich. I don't know if the Suns had have interest. I know in the past... When we when I when I talked about Kevin Durant coming here yeah. and three and four way trades, I did ask whether Bogdanovich could be a piece in a four way trade, and at that point the answer was no. And the reason why, if you got Durant and you had Booker and Paul, you didn't need another elite scorer. So if there was going to be a three or follow me here, if there was going to be a three or four team trade, and Durant was going to come here. And and you were going to move out a bunch of other pieces. Could you have brought the Bogdanovich back? The answer was no, because that's not what they would have needed. If they had Durant, they don't need any more scoring. But they didn't get Durant. So I still think they need another scorer. So I've always liked Bogdanovich. He could shoot the three. He could score in the mid-range. He could take it to the basket. 
He's an elite level scorer, all three levels. I like him. I'd like, I want to find out if the Suns have interest in him because I like that name. Clarkson's a good name. It's a good name. So now you've got a couple of players on the Jazz that if they are starting over, would they be willing to part with those players? Could the Suns get in on any of those? Not that we have to be concerned with, with payroll, but Bogdanovich, off the top of my head, is way more expensive than Clarkson. He's a little bit older, but you'd probably only be getting him for one year for a, for a finals, hopeful, hopefully a finals run. Uh, Bogdanovich scores about 18 points a game. Clarkson was the sixth man of the year last year in the NBA. And he makes a lot less money than Bogdanovich. He's about 11.5 million bucks a year. The thing about Clarkson I like is that he's more of a more of a creator on the perimeter to kind of give that that third guy to the book Paul duo in terms of creating his own shot. The thing about Clarkson is yeah, the, the scoring average may be about 16 points a game, but that's a guy that can give you, a, he can go get you 40 on a given night. And I looked that up, and I'm like, how many 40-point games has he had? How many did he have? Well, he's had four in his career. Ooh. Now, that's, I mean, that's not a, that's not an abundance, but he can get you 40 he on can, a given yeah, night. Yeah. So I just, uh, before we hit the break, how many 40-point games has DeAndre Ayton had in his career? I don't think any. Zero. I don't think he's had one. How many 40-point games has Mikel Bridges had in his career? None. Zero. So that just shows you the explosiveness that Clarkson can bring you on a given night in terms of scoring the basketball. And I think we all know that if there's one thing the Suns need is that kind of that third explosive score on a night where maybe Booker and Paul uh, don't quite have it. So for me, the the price uh, and, and, and Clarkson's used to coming off the bench. I just I, when you said the name Clarkson, that really if he's available and the Suns can swing that, yeah, boy, that's a name that I like. Well, that's an interest, and that's where it gets really interesting. So Donovan Mitchell traded to Cleveland, and the Jazz get back picks and players, and now would they be willing to part with somebody else? That is interesting. The ASU Sun Devils. They are taking on NAU tonight and one of their former quarterbacks, Jeff Van Raphorst. He is going to join us next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Uh, the one guy that uh, I, I used to love this song. I used to love working out to this song back in the day. The show goes on. Uh, the one quarterback that won the Rose Bowl for ASU. Beat Jim Harbour in the process. Does a great job on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Jeff Van Raphorst going to join us right now. Talk a little ASU. Jeff Ringer's filling in for Burnsy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Tim. Hey, Jeff. How you doing, man? All right. Let's let doing let's well. let's start with the with the transition. Jaden Daniels out. Emory Jones in. Can this be a good thing for ASU? Yeah, I think he can. I mean, you look at Emory, just watching him on tape and looking at him. I mean, he moves well. He throws. He's accurate. He's big. He's played in SEC games. Um, yeah, I think it could be. A, I think it could be a net addition for us. Yeah, he, the thing with that Florida, the knock on him was just right the turnovers, right? I mean, he was a little inconsistent. He turned the ball over quite a bit. Had some phenomenal games. We know he could throw the ball. We know he could run. But I would imagine the key for him is just cutting down on those turnovers. He'll be a much better quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at turnover numbers for Jaden last year. Actually, you know, his touchdown to turnover numbers were better for Emory than, you know, he had 19 touchdowns, 13 picks. But I think, you know, you look at any any football game nowadays, teams are getting so good. You know, you, you get a turnover, you capitalize the score. It's such a shift in momentum. So, 
you know, I think ASU will look to take some pressure off of them. They're going to they're going to run the ball. I mean, Herm has said that. You know, Coach Edwards has said that repeatedly on everybody he's talked to. Right. So I think that's how you take some pressure off of them. And then when you when you do let them pass, you know, hopefully it's in situations where safeties are in the box. You've got either man on man, or you got more green grass to work with because the safeties are in trying to protect against the run. Um, those things help. And I, I kind of actually, you guys remember Tim Tebow's first two years in Denver? I remember he was. They had the other quarterback. Was it Chris Leak? Well, no, that was, had, that was in Florida. No, you, you talk Florida. about the NFL, yeah, not oh, in Denver. Oh, in the NFL. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, in, in the NFL. I mean, you know, when Josh McDaniels was there. You know, they did a good job of saying, hey, we don't want to make this guy drop back and pass in when somebody can run a nickel and you're going to have to make reads and figure out and hit all your checks. We want to let this guy pass when we can go and get a man-on-man situation or we can create some space for a route and when the safeties are in the box. And I think that that's, you know, with a new quarterback anytime, that's kind of what you want to do is, is give him the best chance of success. And, and I think you do that by having a strong running game for sure. Hey, Jeff, you know, speaking of that, Glenn Thomas in now as offensive coordinator replacing Zach Hill. Uh, Glenn's offenses at UNLV statistically didn't wow you, but as anybody who covers college football knows, not a lot of talent there uh, at UNLV. What can ASU fans expect in the transition from Hill to Thomas in terms of what Glenn wants to do offensively? What's the philosophy? Do you have any sort of preview for us? Yeah, I think I think the big thing that you're going to see is you know a lot of twelve personnel. I think they're going to get the heavy set. Um, twelve personnel is one running back, two tight ends, and whether those two tights are on one side of the line of scrimmage, trying to trying to really recreate a running advantage to that side, or if you're going to go balanced, right, one to the right, one to the left. But you know, if you're a defense and somebody comes out with five offensive linemen and two tight ends. You have to respond, right? You, you're, if you want to play nickel against that, then great. You know, nickel being five DBs. You know, schematically, it, you may you may have checks in the right boxes, but you have the wrong people. You have the wrong physical size out there, and so you think you pound it. So I think one thing you'll see a lot of twelve. I think you'll see a lot of run. The other thing is you're going to see the team huddle up more than they probably ever have. Ah, okay. Um, I think I think this is going to be played more like more like an NFL game where you huddle, you just wear the clock down. You're not looking to run 80 plays. You know, we want to run 67 to 73 plays and we just want to control it and and be efficient on third down. Give yourself a a shot on third and two, third and three. Um, I went back and looked at some of the numbers from UNLV. They were, they had a, uh, their run pass percentage was, at UNLV last year was 46% run, 54% pass third down percentages was only 30% last year at UNLV. Um, you know, obviously that in ASU last year was really, really solid. I think we were like 44% last year. So, you know, you kind of look at those numbers and go, wow, why were they bad on third down? And it's not that they were bad on third down. If they were bad on, bad on first and second down, right, they didn't give long. themselves a shot. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, look for look for a puncher's mentality. You like that? I'm yeah. gonna work that in. You're, you're the boxer on that on the broadcast. So I get that in for I love you. I love the puncher's mentality. Um, if you look at the play, the new players coming in, right? You've got 18 transfers, 43 new players. It's not that it's a young team. Only two freshmen uh, are going to be playing, and they're both third string guys. How, how difficult is it to incorporate all of these new players in? But this is college football today with the transfer portal. But how difficult do you think it'll be to incorporate everybody in? Yeah, I think it's going to be extremely difficult, you know, early, right? 
And you have to really think about your communication, whether it's um, your hand communication and the defensive side, if you're going to check or you're going to move coverages, play you know two safeties deep or whatever. You got to go through all the little situations. As a result, I think you keep everything really simple, especially on the back half. You got four new defensive backs, so they've got to work all those guys in. I think you keep it really simple and you, and you try not to have a mental assignment because you know when you blow a play mentally, that's where you give up. You know, you give up the big touchdown, and, and ironically, ASU's been really good. I mean, last year we're the only FBS school not to allow a play of 50 yards or more, which means we kept guys in the right spot. We may have given up yardage, but guys were in place to make a tackle. So keep it simple. That's the moniker right now. When you've got Oklahoma State coming up, I imagine, especially with NAU and their quirky defense where they play all those DBs, I imagine we're going to see a heavy dose of the run game tonight. One, to wear them down, right? Because you're going to be bigger and stronger than them and faster, and especially with the heat. But the other thing is you probably don't want to show too much with Oklahoma State coming up next, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think you want to, you know, it's a double, it, it's, I agree with you, you'd like not to show anything, but the problem is what you just brought up earlier. You've got, you know, these 18 transfers that came in, all these new guys, you've got to get them experience and they need to know, you know, they've got to run certain routes that they're going to run against Oklahoma. Um just from the standpoint of their experience, too. Uh, the, the one thing that I'm going to be kind of curious about is we've got a quarterback. You know, we had a quarterback last year. We have a quarterback issue with Jones who's a running threat. So you need to show a couple of plays that either are designed RPO where the quarterback gives it off, but he fakes the run. And you need to show that, like, hey, we're willing to have our quarterback run. When in reality, the last thing in the world we want to see is, is this guy running a lot, right? Yeah. Um, because if we, if we go, if Emory Jones goes down, it'll probably the biggest drop off anywhere in the team between first and second team, uh, offense or defense. Hey, Jeff, I talked about this earlier. I think one of the most frustrating aspects of the football team the last couple of years for fans is just how sloppy they've been at times. The, the penalties, uh, the false starts, the confusion in the backfield just hasn't been a crisp football team, uh, at times. Too many times, uh, in fact. How eager are you to see if if they've cleaned that up here in 2022? And how much do you think a new staff or kind of a new look staff can go in terms of getting that cleaned up this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the, the players have talked about it extensively. I think the staff will get it cleaned up. You know, hey, Ringer, I think the other thing that helps you is when you huddle up and you're a quarterback, you can, you can have a lot of discussions in the huddle. You know, you're like, hey, Gamble, yeah. look, man, you got to make sure that, you you know, <laughs> right. uh, this is a seven-step drop. Make sure I get a little time. I'm going to climb the pocket. I'm going to get behind you, Tim, and, you know, push that guy right or left. Don't let him push you straight back in. And, you know, hey, I'm going to run this. Everybody look at me. I'm going to run this on two. We good? Yeah, okay, let's go. You know, rip 79 divide. Why check on two, on two, ready, break. And that's where I think the huddle helps you. We uh, drove me nuts last year that we are offside so much, right, because that's just an right. attention to detail issue. Yeah. And – if you're a defensive team playing against ASU last year and you want to jump the count, go ahead and take a shot on jumping the count on third and nine because we ran the ball so much on first sound or on one because we couldn't run it on two. We jump off sides. So, <laughs> right, right. Right. I mean, it just it totally gives you, the, it gives you a defensive advantage. Or if you see the play clock running down, just go ahead and fire it because they're not going to bark it out. They're not going to be able to hold their water. 
Jeff, we appreciate it. We'll be listening tonight on the uh, Sun Devil Radio Network. You do a great job. We'll see you. Uh, we'll be listening to you. ASU Take on NAU. Thanks for the time, my friend. Great stuff, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, that's Jeff Van Raphorst, former ASU quarterback and Sun Devil Radio Network analyst. Text us your thoughts on ASU's opener tonight to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. A couple edge guys are available. Are the Cardinals set at that position, or should they go out and grab one more? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.